0: hey guys what is happening happy thanksgiving week i hope you are revved up right now Absolutely filled with the juice to get back to family, get back to good food, get back to connection. And if you don't have that, I hope that this podcast can supply it for just a little bit. You talk about connection. That is what this podcast is all about today. Today, I'm bringing to you Andrew Muse. Andrew Muse is a guy who has no idea what fear is. The word fear has no relevancy in his mind, okay? Here's why. Andrew lives his life on the edge. He's an extreme adrenaline junkie. You can catch this guy paddleboarding, you can catch this guy windsurfing, he's scaling rock faces and mountainsides, jumping out of planes, hang gliding, nothing is too much for Andrew. And he does it all with his best friend, a beautiful golden retriever named Booter by his side. And when you talk about connection, you talk about the essence of love, you see that in these videos. This connection, this friendship, this unspoken understanding between a man and his best friend, his dog, it's incredible. It's actually fantastic. However, this incredible adrenaline-filled life that Andrew leads, it comes at a price. It comes at a tragic price, and it comes... At the hands of his best friend. So without any further ado, let's get into this beautifully tragic story. Let's get into the story of Mr. Andrew Muse, and let's welcome Andrew on A Creating Space. Andrew Muse, what's happening, my brother? Welcome to Creating Space.
1: Hey, what's up, Wes? Thanks for having me, man. Stoked to be here.
0: Yeah, no, I'm juiced to have you on here as well. All it took was a couple of minutes of watching your, your videos. And I'm thinking, geez, who is this guy? This is incredible. I mean, you've got videos of you kite surfing. Um, you're, you're rock climbing with your dog, this gold, beautiful golden retriever attached to you. You're living an epic life, man. That, that is cool. That is really cool.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Definitely the dream lifestyle I always kind of wanted to live. So Yeah. Go, tell me tell,
0: tell me about that, man. Like how, how did you just decide all of a sudden one day like I'm gonna just live this lifestyle? How does that come together?
1: Yeah, you know, it was a work in progress. As a kid I always wanted to be a professional athlete, professional snowboarder, whatever it was. And uh so right after high school I moved out west. Didn't know anybody I'd never, never been farther west than New York. I grew up in Massachusetts and uh Applied to a bunch of ski patrol positions to inevitably be a heli ski guide of some sort. Um, that was kind of my dream. And then, kind of, just the path unfolded where I got sponsored for kiteboarding, I got sponsored for snowboarding. And then, uh, kind of, from there, realized that kind of my niche was more in the content creation thing. And I kind of have a diverse skill set. I'm not insanely good at any one thing, but I'm pretty good at everything. So that was kind of my niche was like create really cool, relatable content of a diverse multi-sport skill set.
0: So what was the first so, piece of content that you created at this moment? You moved out west and now it's like, okay, there's all this stuff I can capture. Where did it start?
1: Well, that wasn't really the plan. It was just, I, I got a GoPro and I started filming little edits and having kind of a quick turnover of like powder, snowboarding or whatever it was. And uh just kinda had some opportunities unfold, Ski Utah's a big marketing firm in Utah that um does a bunch of media for all the resorts, picked me up as their snowboard blogger. So from there they gave me a little credibility and a little momentum. So uh just snowboarding, filming myself with the GoPro is how it all started.
0: And your your best friend Booter, had he been with you the entire time through that move and, and the whole you know? Um,
1: so I got Booter, um about three or four years into living in uh, Utah. So he kind of right there with me when I got my first GoPro and started doing all this stuff. So yeah, I probably started this career about five years ago and it finally has become sustainable. I love it. Why'd you choose a golden
0: retriever? When I think golden retriever, I think running on a beach and and whatnot. But um, as far as an adventure dog, I'm thinking more of an Australian Shepherd, but a golden retriever out there is really cool. I grew up actually with golden retrievers, man. I, I got a soft spot in my heart for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, Goldens are just the best dog. Um, Looking into getting a dog, I was looking at mixed breeds. I wanted a a pit lab mix or something, and I was going to all these different animal shelters. Then just one day after doing some research, it all kind of hit. I was like, man, Goldens are like the easiest dogs. They're pretty athletic. They're smart. They're loving. They're awesome. And uh, yeah, man, I'm a Golden Retriever man for life. I'll never get another kind of dog. Yeah, They're they're wicked.
0: they're wicked minus the amount of shed that they have.
1: You're like constantly vacuuming everywhere. Yeah, it's a, it's a minor compromise for how <laughs> good of a pup they are. Yeah. yeah,
0: no kidding, man. No kidding. So what what's Booter for? Tell me how you landed on the name.
1: Um, So Booter, it took me a minute. I had him for maybe a week or two before I had settled on a name. Um, I lived in Park City. My backyard basically looked out over the mountain, and you had these big, big uh, park jumps called Booters. And uh, running around with Booter in the backyard, he'd also get underfoot a lot, so he'd end up kicking them or booting them and also i mean primarily he's named after the ski jumps or snowboarding jumps booters
0: right right so yep. um he his name just basically gave him this this you know uh this idea of what he was going to be uh at, at the end of yeah. the day and if you watch the videos of him man, he's chasing you everywhere he wants to be involved in everything you're doing land air yeah. water everything he's
1: involved yeah, he was, uh, the first time I took him skiing, I uh, I rode this pretty pretty fun, mellow pow line that had maybe an eight-foot cliff in it, dropped the cliff, and it was super deep, so he wasn't able to quite keep up, so I skied my line, landed, looked back up at him, like, what's he going to do? And uh, he's following my path, and he just sends this eight-foot cliff to pow, not even a hesitation, just stomps the landing, keeps charging, I was like, yeah, <laughs> he's still like pretty young at that do point. Do you have that awesome. moment documented?
0: I'd love to see that.
1: I, I don't. That was before I was even documenting my stuff. So that was, um, you know, right kind of as I got him the first season I had him. So
0: so he probably was just so enthralled with what you were doing. He was just as big of an adrenaline junkie as you were, huh?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, he was the most well-behaved dog I'd ever seen until we got in the snow. And he was just full charge mode. And as soon as anyone started skiing, he'd chase him. It was it was a blast. He loved the snow as much as I did. So I love it, It man.
0: You had, um, when you watch your show, you can tell that there's a a symbiotic relationship between you booter and a GoPro. I mean, you guys are like (laughs) one unit, man. You're handling this GoPro and holding a a kite while you're surfing and the dog is running by your side. What a lifestyle. I mean, tell me how this lifestyle began to grow. I'm interested in, you know, how did you support yourself on it? How were you making money to fund it? I mean, it, it's a pretty sure. cool thing.
1: Um, so like I said, I, I moved to Utah to ski patrol, did that for a few seasons, and then I got into the fine dining in the industry because, you know, I can ski all day, shower, be to work by four, and make pretty good money. So that's what I was doing initially. Um, and then the the filming, everything just kind of became a passion of wanting to document my experiences. And then, um, like I said, a few small sponsors rolled in and then ski Utah and, um, kind of, then I had this idea of this, the tiny home adventure series, which i released season one. Um, and basically that was a pilot series. It was an idea, um, where I basically worked my ass off to make it happen. I was working my job. Plus I was remodeling this old 1976 truck camper. Um. So basically just waiting tables and then sending lots and lots of emails to lots of brands to try and get a couple bucks here and there. And um, a few brands stepped up and really helped the whole thing be possible. It wasn't even sustainable. It was still money out of my pocket. But um, so, yeah, that was how season one kind of emerged.
0: Let's stick there for a second. What was that like when you're sending emails and nothing's coming back and you're, you're working yourself to the, to the brim to garner all this footage, take the footage. Then you got to go work and then you got to cut up the film and then you have to work on the truck. That's a lot of balls in the air. Surely there's a point where you're thinking, man, I don't even know if all this is working. I, you know, maybe I should pull the yeah. plug on this.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, thousands of emails. Um, you know, hundreds of no's, hundreds of just no responses. You know, some people you take you know, almost like a disrespectful um response. You're like, man, I put all this effort into this this email, this proposal, whatever, and I just get like, we're not interested. Like, come on. Give me some <laughs> kind of feedback. Right. So, you know, there's there's a lot of uh kind of like biting my tongue and a lot of just like, man, is this gonna work? Does this make sense? What the hell am I doing? Um and then you get that one little nugget of like yeah, we'd love to work with you. This sounds awesome. This is right up our alley. What do you need? Well, I don't know, 500 bucks. And like that's basically how it started. And um, yeah, so it, there's a lot of...
0: Who was the first company to- that responded to you? And-
1: um, The first major sponsor was Rossignol. They're based out of Park City, Utah, actually. So um, they were like my first... Big major brand. I had like a small sunglass sponsor, you know, getting free sunglasses, getting free this, free that, whatever, it's cool. But you can't eat sunglasses. Sunglasses don't pay rent, don't pay health insurance, right? So um there were those little nuggets, but that was great. At first when I was trying to reach out and connect with brands, they're like, Yeah, we'll send you three pairs of sunglasses. Like, this is the coolest. And now it's like, okay, this is what I'm doing for a living, so I kind of need a establish, you know, as I grow, those sponsors grow and the relationships evolve. So it's just kind of a, um, you know, it's, it's slow going and lots of no's, but you just have to be able to maintain a, a positive attitude and, and hope for the best, you know, hard work and positivity things work out.
0: It's the key to life, man. Hard work and positivity yeah. is the key to life. And it's what yeah. creating space is all about. Now your hard work and positivity is contingent on your health and you're pushing yourself to the limit. Every single time you're getting footage, you know, you're you're near death situation sometimes. I mean, I've seen you, you know, jumping off a cliff with a rope, rope involved and swinging from a cliff. I mean, I don't know much about how safe that is, but I can't imagine that it's 100 percent fail proof. Um, my question to you is, how do you continue to push the limits where I'm sure your viewers are wanting to see more and more and more? Right
1: yeah so um, you know everything ideally is a calculated risk. you know I assess my skill set, the environment, and the conditions, my state of mind um and you know at this point i've I've been broken a few times, I've broken my collarbone three times and you know I've been hurt and this and that, and uh you know, I've kind of reached a point where it's this crawl walk run like I'm a very confident person like i I wanna be the best at everything, and it's just I have to reel that in sometimes and be like, okay, like, yeah, you might be capable of doing this a few times, but I don't want to get checked. And especially the things I'm doing now, getting checked could mean death. Sure. So it's, it's kind of taking those baby steps, building the skill set. Like I said, assess the risk and make a, an intelligent decision. Um, you know?
0: What's the craziest thing that you've done so far?
1: Uh, I guess that depends on the the situation and who you're talking to and, and what your definition of crazy is uh definitely the most intense thing i've done that i was scared for like 14 plus hours uh was a big wall in zion so basically we climbed this 800 vertical foot um basically overhanging sandstone wall and you're on the wall for almost 14 hours a lot of people spend a night on the wall and it's just like you know, marginal gear placement, so you're just not feeling super solid in anything that you place into the rock. So your safety is is questionable. I mean, it's it's solid enough, but it was like 14 hours of like full adrenal gland like squeezing. And by the end of it, I mean, my head was on the side of the wall. I'm like 600 feet off the ground. Just like get me out of this situation. <laughs> and you know, accomplished it, did it. Everything was fine. Everything went great. It was a huge accomplishment, but. During that situation, I was uh, very like emotionally exhausted with fear and uh, just kind of the intensity of the situation. There's no like, there's no going down from there. Like once you reach a point, like the only way to get out of that situation is to go up. So oh um, man, that listen, was, that was I I hate heights.
0: I I hang glided the other weekend at the Lululemon uh, hike, and I was nice. absolutely shitting my pants the entire time. And I told the I told the guide. Listen, dude, you're going to, you're going to need to take me down. Like, I'm not enjoying any of this. So I like my feet firmly placed on the ground. So when I watch people like yourself out there just crushing it, um, I'm definitely jealous, but at the same time, I don't, I don't, I only want to watch from the comfort of my, from my computer. And I, and I have a feeling most of your viewers do as well. Tell me this, man. What, what do you learn about yourself when you're pushing yourself to the edge all of the time? What have you learned about yourself through this process?
1: Um I've kind of learned what I like. Um really I, I enjoy learning and progressing and, and pushing myself in like just some kind of progression whether it's uh, physically or emotionally or um you know technically as far as like building an anchor or you know just getting better at something I really enjoy progression. Um as far as what I've learned through like like fear and pushing myself I don't really I don't really know it's just kind of I've learned to take a step back and gain that skill set moving forward don't just because you, you you envision what you want to do doesn't mean that maybe I'm physically capable of it just yet so it's like nail down the skill set and then attack the, the objective.
0: I like that, man. I'm like a, a bulldog. I like to bite at heels as well. I'm super competitive, man. So in this new yeah. journey that I'm on, I want to be at the top already, right? And my mentors are having to pull in the leash and and reel me in and, and keep me focused on what really matters, which is the process, right? Process-based. Sure. Always beats outcome-based every single time. Um, what did you learn about would you learn about your dog booter in this relationship as you guys are going through all of these experiences together
1: i mean booter was with me throughout everything as soon as i mean i got him at i picked him out when he was five weeks old um you know went and saw the litter of puppies you know there was like the weird kind of skittish one there was like the crazy one running around chasing his tail barking and then booter just kind of strutted over all cool um, this girl that I was dating at the time, he falls asleep on her lap, sucking her finger. I was like, okay, you're the one. And like, <laughs> it was, I, I brought him home, you know, picked him up, threw him in the car. And it was just like immediate, like bond friendship. Awesome. Like he just kind of sat in the car. He's like, okay, this is cool. Like, we're going to have a good time. And, uh, I mean, I brought him literally everywhere with me. He's gone places that, you know, no other dog has gone before. So, I mean, I, I feel like, I knew everything about him. He kind of knew everything about me. Like I could just, he could speak to me with his eyes. I could speak to him with a gesture and like he needed, he knew what I needed from him. I knew what he needed from me. It was just a, a really amazing symbiotic relationship. Of, yeah, man. Kind of was, an extension of who I was.
0: Yeah. It's so cool to watch that, that relationship. You guys depended so heavily on each other. What did, what did Buddha teach you?
1: Buddha taught me to l- love something more than myself. Really. Um, you know, I've, uh, kind of grew up in a in a weird situation where I definitely had to take care of myself all the time. And I learned like, you know, I'm not going to step on somebody's shoulders to, to get above or, or progress, but I'm going to do what's right for me as far as life. You know, I, I need to do what's right for me and whatever that means to people or, or whomever. But, uh, you know, I'd always make those decisions for me. And in this case, I would make decisions that would make his life better. So I definitely, Loved him more than I loved myself, and that was the first time I had really experienced something like that.
0: Yeah, that's incredible, man. It's it's tough, though, having to make decisions that are based upon your priorities, which were you and Booter, and sometimes having to cut out other individuals uh, in – your life. And sometimes they they get a little bit salty about those situations. What are some experiences that you've been through where you've had to say, okay, this is Buddha and I, and this is a decision that we're making moving forward. And sometimes maybe it, um, it meant the loss of something.
1: Yeah. So kind of the way, one of the components of how this thing you know unfolded was that um Park City is a big party town, super social. Everyone goes out four or five plus nights a week. And I just kind of took a step back from that. I stopped going out. I stopped drinking for two years completely. I mean, I've never had a huge problem with it. I my my family history, there's a big problem with it there. So it's something I've always been aware of. But I just took a step back and I was like, okay, like going out and partying is is not productive to this career I want to build. I'm gonna take a step back. You know, cut out all these people that aren't really helping me progress. I mean, I'm still friends with everybody. I never like told anyone, like, hey, get out of my life. But I just like decided that, you know, I had this dream, I had this focus, and that was, you know, paramount. Going out and drinking and spending money and, and wasting my health, getting hammered, you know, wasn't helping me progress. So, um, I never had a situation where somebody came to me salty. You know, I'd go out and wouldn't drink and be social every now and again, and everyone, you know, buy me shots or whatever. I'm like, no, 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 no. So that, that was basically the... You know, worst-case scenario. I was like, no, dude, you, that's all you, man. You just yeah, get yeah, yeah. You, here's then, a oh, second round for you. It off <laughs> buddy, so. I love
0: um, it. I'm in that situation now, man. You know, in, in the culture of professional athletics, you work hard during the week, play a game on the weekend, and it's uh, it's – You know, all in, all chips are in the night after the game. And that that got to a point where I'm not going to say it was uncontrollable, but I didn't know how to partake when I did go out in a moderate fashion. So now as I, I, (laughs) you know what I mean? It it gets to a point where you're around all your buddies and it just gets out of control sometimes. But as I grow into that and I realize that, hey, this is where I want to go and this is the path that's going to get me there. And you devote more to that path then you start to see kind of situations change people kind of fall out of your life and it's not bad or anything like that it's just allowing the priorities to take full control over the situation now as we continue through this incredible story man you're building this awesome mobile home the tiny home that you're talking about what was that like tell me a little bit about that space that you had
1: yeah that was that was pretty cool so um you know, I had this this vision of this trip and this camper. I just bought a, a, a truck I was pretty proud of. I'd been living in, or not living in, but uh, just owning shitty cars throughout my entire life. I was like, okay, time to get like a decent truck. So I got a, a Nissan Titan, pretty excited about it. And um, previously, uh, all my shoulder seasons, so in Park City, the spring and fall, are shoulder seasons, it's muddy. There's not a ton to do. I would take a month or two off, live out of my car and go climb or bike or whatever Um, so I wanted this nicer vehicle, but I also wanted the capability of, of going somewhere and being able to live out of it and live comfortably. Um, so I wanted to get a truck camper. I decided it was going to only take me about two weeks to remodel. So I check online one day and I see a $500 truck camper about two months before I was even intending on buying one. Thank God, because the remodel process took... I don't know, 50 times longer than I expected. It was so much more work. So I find this uh, $500 truck camper, get it home, and just become immediately engrossed and completely obsessed with this project. Um, I mean, I'd wake up at 6 in the morning, no alarm. Man, man, I have so much to do today. And I would just start hammering away for, I mean, seven days a week for three months. I was working 16-plus hours a day. Um, So that whole project really taught me if I'm passionate about something, I can mm. work my ass off. And yeah. it doesn't there were moments where I'm sitting in the van like shit. I, or the the truck camper, just like shit. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. I, I'm not I don't come from a carpentry background. I don't so lots of YouTube learning how to do things. So it was an amazing learning experience about um just carpentry and also about myself as far as how hard I could work if I was passionate about something. Um and at that point I'd already dedicated my time and I had um, I had dedicated basically my entire life to this. So I was living in this uh, master bedroom of this house I'd been renting for a few years, I moved out of the master bedroom into the garage, broke up with my girlfriend and just was trying to save as much money as possible to take six months off and go kick ass.
0: That is something that is the creating space moment, right? So creating space for me was the moment where I had suffered an injury and it took me out of the game for a bit. And then I had to figure out, okay, man, if soccer is no longer my thing, what am I going to do now? And then it becomes a process of figuring it out. Once you became aligned with your passion, Andrew, it sounded like there was nothing stopping you to getting to where you wanted to go. And you put as much of your physical, metaphysical body into it. I mean, energy, mind, body, and soul went into the journey. and, And here you are. You've created this unbelievable mobile vehicle that's going to take you and booter all over the world right and well all over the united states and you got to go to some extremely cool places what what is the coolest place you've you've been to thus far
1: uh thus far so season two i ended up getting to go to alaska which was i mean i've dreamt of alaska since i was little little it just always seemed like this mythical place so um yeah this this past Spring, I got to spend about three months in Alaska snowboarding and exploring and doing all different kinds of stuff so wow, uh, Alaska was really incredible
0: it It sounds like that, but in order to get to the season two, there was a creation of a a of a real space man and and if you watch a little bit of uh his seasons and the web series that he has, you see that at the very end of episode twelve, there was a tragic moment for andrew um Andrew, walk walk me through what happened at that time.
1: Yeah, so um, I just finished this dream trip. Six months on the road with my best friend. I had filmed 12 episodes. I had released every episode on time, you know, the first and the 15th of every month, which was a task in itself. I don't know if you've done any video editing. It's super time-consuming. And uh, we had just wrapped filming, um, did the craziest rope swing of my life. That was the second craziest thing I've ever done. It's about this 400 foot rope swing through this canyon. You jump off, it's 100 feet of free fall before the rope catches, and it's just all time adrenaline rush. Just the logistics of rigging line itself was like a piece of art. Um, So anyways, finish up filming. I'm only four hours from home. I'm in Moab, Utah to Park City, and my little sister is like about to spontaneously get married her and her longtime boyfriend have this opportunity to get this free wedding. If they get married on a float on a parade, I don't know, crazy, but they did it. So I run from Moab to Santa Barbara, hang out with my sister, my mom, family, you know, both families get together. Everyone gets to meet. It's great. One of the most, um, you know, the the first moment in my life that I can really remember where my mother, my sister and I were all doing really well. We've all had kind of, Life things, and you know it's a long story, we won't get into it, but it was just like, man, I got to look around like my dream had come true, I'd finished this project, my beautiful sister just got married to an amazing guy, my mom was doing well, you know, everything was perfect in the world, um but I needed to get home to finish editing episode twelve, which was the best episode I had filmed yet, just as far as the content and the footage and the experience that everything you know I just wanted it to be the season finale and give it the time it deserved behind the computer editing. So we have a a great weekend, whatever, and um, I decide to leave super early in the morning to try and push through a 12-hour drive um, to get home so I can have as much time to edit on the deadline and release on the deadline. Um, And I've been driving for probably about 10 hours, super tired, and I told myself, hey, if I can drive another, you know, hour, I'll be two hours from home. I'll have a full day of editing tomorrow. Uh, that's that's my plan. So I was driving, 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 dark. And um, I'm not entirely sure what happened, but um, I fell asleep behind the wheel and rear-ended an 18-wheeler that was going about 30 miles an hour. And uh, wow. I mean, one moment, life couldn't have been better. The next, there was an 18-wheeler um, in the in the car with me about twelve inches from my right shoulder and kicker or and booter was sitting next to me at that time. Kinda of just like was jarred awake and I mean it was surreal. I, it didn't seem real. I just screamed no at the top of my lungs and I couldn't believe it. It was I mean the most catastrophic event of my entire life. Um so the the truck was stuck in the back of the eighteen wheeler and it drove probably I don't know, it felt like another couple hundred yards before it even pulled over and uh pinned pretty good in the truck. I mean the whole everything has collapsed in. There's like metal like where my face is. Um and all I want to do is get to Booter. Um, I mean he was my fucking soulmate. He was everything to me and um the truck stops the truck driver gets out of his his cab and walks over the trucks on fire sprays a bunch of fire extinguisher on the truck in my face and then just gets back in his truck doesn't say a word what uh, yeah yeah so i mean it doesn't need nothing so thankfully a few other cars had pulled over and I, I yelled for help and uh i think the bystanders were completely shocked that somebody was alive they like they were all stunned um and finally somebody came over we got the driver's side door open i was able to free my legs and first thing i did i mean i was barefoot and covered in glass and whatever and i just ripped apart the center console and got booter out and um you know got on to the side of the road and everyone's trying to assess me and i'm just like please somebody call like an emergency vet like whomever i don't know what we need to do but like help me save my dog and uh Eventually paramedics showed up and same thing. They're trying to assess me and I was just like, dude, I'm fine. Like, can you put him on oxygen? Like, please help save booter. But um, unfortunately the the damage was too severe and he he passed away on the side of the road there with me, Um, which I mean, I was completely devastated. He was, I mean, everything to me. I would have, I would have happily lit all of my worldly belongings on fire and pissed on the ashes if I could have kept him for another 2 weeks like it was uh you know completely devastating and you know on top of the loss of booter i had basically lost all of my belongings my my truck my home um all of my belongings i was financially exhausted from this pilot series i just finished so i mean i'm on the side of the road there looking at booter and everything I own, which is basically trash, just assuming my life is completely and totally over. Um, you so, know.
0: so there you were in a moment where you had chased your biggest excitement and you and your best friend had done it together. And then it put you to a moment of exhaustion and life, as it always does, creates a new avenue and you were handed a new canvas at that moment, and it it, it it was one with a lot of pain, and I, I understand when you suffer loss, it is something that will change you, and you never go back to that same form. You grow. You must grow to, to move forward, mm-hmm. but you had a blank canvas. What happened next, Andrew?
1: Um. So I'm at the scene of the accident, completely devastated, basically wanting to just keel over and die on the side of the road. Um, and one of the firefighters kind of walks up and throws a blanket over my shoulders and is just quietly like, Hey man, I get it. like, I have dogs at home. I've lost dogs. Like I feel for you, man. And I am so sorry. Um, so he really helped me through that experience. He, he helped me get through the, that first hour, this first two hours, um, in a huge way. I mean, some of the other paramedics were like, trying to create small talk with me about climbing or this or that because they saw my gear on the side of the road and you know I didn't want to, I wasn't trying to make friends I just wanted to be left alone to die and Paul just was the, the perfect person to kind of help me through that um, and I wanted to share the previous episodes that we had been through um, beforehand because he obviously got it he understood so got his contact information um, a friend from Park City came and picked me up got Got me back to Park City. Um, I just stayed in contact with Paul for for a few weeks, and then I didn't really know what to do in Park City. I I, I assumed I was going to be in debt for the rest of my life and working some shitty job, and that my life was over. Um, So I decided I put together a you caring account. I donated to you know a lot of people in you know an athlete scenario that had kind of taken this this life that is an amazing life, but you don't get paid well and it's a huge amount of risk. So people that I had identified with, I'd always donate to and you know, people that inspired me. Jim Harris um was a really amazing human being. Um and I'd always just kinda wonder, like I wonder if people would give a shit if I was in this situation. Like probably not. Like, I don't know, maybe. I don't have that big of a following. I don't know if people, you know, anyways. So put together this carrying account in hopes to raise like a thousand bucks or two to maybe get like some clothes on my back and and figure out what's next. And uh, what happened next was like totally mind blowing. I had people from all over the world reach out that were saying like, you've inspired me to live this like more passionate life or you've inspired me to take my dog and do these amazing things or just even teachers showing my episodes to kids in class and friends from high school that were like man like you've inspired all these kids back home like keep doing what you're doing like whatever it takes keep doing what you're doing and the you caring raised um almost $25,000 in 48 hours which wow i did not see coming Yeah.
0: so you've got so, you've got this new outlet and and, and where do you, where do you go from there
1: So I had, um, before I came back to Park City, I had an an interview arranged with the U.S. skiing snowboard team to be their video coordinator. Um, And I was coming back, like I said, financially exhausted, but I wanted to go back to my sponsors and be like, hey, I have this opportunity for a real career doing, you know, something that I'd still be passionate about, but I would really love to keep doing what I'm doing, do another season. Of the tiny home adventure and move on and you know and keep going down this road, and uh, so now I had a little you know that twenty five thousand dollars to help get me back on my feet, get a, a vehicle, a, a house, whatever, or not a house but a, a place to rent, mm-hmm. clothes, whatever. Um, so then I went to my sponsors I went to Rosignol, Maverick, Coast of Portland, um, and they all stepped up. Maverick helped me get a new vehicle and decent pay. Rosignol was also very supportive and coast as well so now i have you know the foundation to to do another potential season two i have i was inspired by all these people who gave a shit about booter and i and uh okay this is this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna make it happen um and then a a few weeks into that rebuild process i get a, a phone call from paul very obscure. Just hey, what's up, man? What's going on? He's like, hey, I have a really interesting opportunity for you. Um, I want to tell you a story first. So Paul tells me about the tragic loss of his first dog, and how that got him another dog when he wasn't ready, but it still helped him through the loss. And that now him and his family breed Goldens and Golden Doodles, and that they had a puppy for me whenever I was ready. It, I mean, it came full circle. I mean, the last thing I wanted to do was replace. Booter, who was completely irreplaceable, um, you know, but I was still in a ton of pain. I still cry over, over Booter's loss now, but um, I mean, everybody really inspired me to just pick my sorry ass up and, and make it happen. So um, I went and picked out a pup, met with Paul and his family, who are just incredible people. Um, they run Copper Canyon Doodles and Red Canyon Retrievers, amazing dog breeders. They take great care of their pups. I'd recommend them for sure um so that's kind of all unfolding okay i have hope there's light at the end of the tunnel um and then i get a uh an email of my dreams i get an email from gopro oh, saying hey man, man GoPro." Yeah, yeah so you know gopro is the brand you know rosigal gopro like these are huge huge brands that i've always dreamt of working with and gopro is really how i got my whole career started and uh, I get an email saying, "Hey, we've been following along. We love what we're doing. We see so many opportunities to work together. Our head is spinning like that's the quote, and I'm just blown away, and they want to pick up season two as well or be a part of it. so um, not only did I have these other core sponsors, Maverick rosignol Coast, but now GoPro wants to produce the whole thing um and I was able to kind of negotiate um a budget without any place to be." other than I just get to travel around, film cool stuff and send it to GoPro. So that was, I mean, the dream, like that was beyond my dreams. That was a whole nother level of, uh, I don't know. I, I can't, I don't even have the words for it. It was, it was amazing.
0: It's interesting how that works, right? The universe, um, it it does that to you sometimes in order for you to get to, certain levels in your life you have to either lose or situations have to be removed from you to create the space for more for something different for growth and you know as as great as it is to have GoPro now and to have this full budget for you to go and do what it is that you're passionate about what you really love it came at the price of your best friend so as you look back and all of the great blessings that you've had and this life that you're leading in this new episode uh, or this new web series that you're going to have fully produced and you're not going to have to cut any of the episodes up yourself. When you look back and, and see what you've gone through with your new pup kicker, tell me, um, what is it that you would tell the audience about grieving loss, about creating space in your life, and about continuing to pick yourself up and pursue your dreams and your passions?
1: Yeah, so I mean, loss and all these things, th- these tragic things happen to everybody and it sucks. Like, it's not fucking fair sometimes, you know? You've, you care so much, you feel like you've done all the right things and just life happens and, and horrible things and they happen to everybody and it's, it's unfortunate. It happened to great people, it happen to terrible people. It's just, it's part of life. And, you know, you have to process that loss and grieve and feel those emotions. But I think you also have to see what you can learn from that situation. There's always something to learn from a negative scenario. And you learn so much about yourself and who you are and what you need to do and how you could have done things differently. I mean, there's a hundred things I could have done that would have changed my situation. I could have, you know, broken my job two days, whatever. There's a million things I could look back on now. Um, and to never forget those lessons, like those major catastrophic things that, that happen can teach you lifelong lessons. Like now I don't speed. I'm never in a rush. I don't drive when I'm tired. I rarely drive when it's dark. And you know, that's, that's one piece of what I've learned about, you know, loss. I've never experienced a loss like that in my entire life. And I could have completely let that destroy me and say, fuck this. I'm just going to like crawl up into a ball and cry. And, you know, I did that for a period of time, but um, I think also I, I've I've learned throughout my life that there's a lesson to learn, and if I can learn from it and grow and become a better person, then you know, that at least does booter the honor he deserves to, to pick myself up and do what I want to do and to stay positive and to try and inspire other people to live passionate, healthy lifestyles.
0: Love it. You're living a great lifestyle and you and Kicker are headed, uh, spiraling into episode or season number two. What can we expect to see from you from the second season and the second version of the Golden Retriever Pal, uh kind of friendship yeah. that you have?
1: So um, I, I got the, the puppy from Paul and his family. And I mean, that's basically where season two starts. It It, it explains briefly explains the car accident, and then um, basically Kicker's growth from this tiny little adorable furball into this badass Alaskan adventure dog. So, um, you know, we, we traveled the, the Pacific Northwest, we drove up through British Columbia, met all these crazy Canadian people, had these crazy experiences, car issues, um, small world experiences, and then we got to Alaska where um, got to ride the biggest lines of my life, definitely Kicker's life. Um, we got out to Denali. We did some really wild, heavy snowboarding lines, um, some kiteboarding, all kinds of crazy stuff. So basically, it's it's the growth of of me and Kicker together, learning um, who we are um, and pushing ourselves. He he did awesome. He. Is so similar to Booter in so many ways, but is totally, completely different dog with his own mannerisms and his own swagger. But he's such a badass.
0: I love it, man. I can't wait to see the adventure. I can't uh, wait to continue to watch and see your growth, Kicker's growth, you together, what you're going to capture, how you're going to captivate. I think what you're doing is incredible, uh, Andrew. And I, I'm really excited yeah, for you to come on to the show and, and, and share your story. And I, I know that people are going to learn from your resilience, man. You stood back up. You said, okay, I've got to move forward. And life opened up an avenue for you for more. And it sounds like you're doing really well, man. I'm I'm excited to hear that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Things worked out better than I could have ever imagined. I mean, I was not even... I, I am beyond words with that as well. It's just a crazy scenario.
0: Yeah, you know, for the Creating Space tribe, that that's what the message is. It is, yes, life will hit you with some blows sometimes. Yes, life is tough at times. But when you frame it that this is something that I need to learn, this is something that I need to grow from, and this is going to inevitably create me, give me the space to create a newer version of myself, a better version of myself. Absolutely. Life will improve. That's the lesson here for Andrew. And that's why it was so important to get you onto the show, man. It's a crazy, great story. And I appreciate you coming
1: on. Yeah. Appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Definitely. Andrew, as we close this thing out,
0: direct our following, how we can find you, how we can watch the show and how we can connect with you on social media.
1: Absolutely. So you can stay most up to date with what Kicker and I are doing at uh, Andrew underscore underscore Muse on Instagram. And then you could also find us on YouTube. Just search Andrew Muse. You'll find Tiny Home Adventure. You'll find a little mini series we're working on right now from a a smaller road trip we just went on. And season two from GoPro is yet to be released. But as soon as it is, I'll be blowing it up on all channels. Um, So just waiting on them to Finished cutting everything up. I've seen a few episodes. It looks awesome. Super cool way of telling the story. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me. It was Absolutely, amazing.
0: man. Next time I'm out for uh, Sundance out in Park City, man, I'm going to give you a shout and make sure we Hit connect, up. man. And uh, like I said, man, so, so happy for you. All things are going well and so appreciative you came onto the show, man.
1: Bless. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you so much.
0: Wow. I mean, yeah. Wow. What a story. Life created space for a new version of Andrew's story, right? In Booter's exit, it opened up this brand new avenue for Andrew to become the engineer and the designer of this whole new life ahead of him. In that came reaching out to the community who donated over $25,000 to Andrew and his cause in under 48 hours. He got aligned with GoPro, who is taking on an entirely new season, paying for everything and filming it with some of the best videographers that they have to offer. Now, it came at the price, the ultimate price of his best friend, but at the same time, the community surrounded him. They gave Andrew the opportunity to adopt Kicker. And Kicker is the star of the second season. And life now is moving forward in a new direction. Andrew and Kicker are kicking life's ass moving forward. So what I want you to take from this episode is that life will hit you in the mouth sometimes, but you pick yourself back up and you understand that there is space for more, for greatness, and for a better life than you ever imagined. That's the point of this podcast. Believe that the life of your dreams is available ahead of you and just create space for it. So Andrew, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Guys, have a fantastic Thanksgiving. We'll pick back up with you next week for Mindset Monday. Make sure you lean into family, lean into good food, lean into connection, lean into community. I'll lean into you guys. Happy Thanksgiving.